Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is Affable Chat Off Script, the episodes of Affable Chat where we talk about other things, uh, not just movies. And um, let me give you a rundown of what we're going to be talking about today. It is just me in the studio. Uh, This weekend, Joey is out of town and thus unavailable for this episode. Uh, But here's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, I'm going to be talking about my move from OKC to Columbia. That's coming up. Uh, I'm going to be talking about our upcoming Aladdin episode, which we're going to be recording next weekend. I'm going to be talking about the the boys meme, uh, which you may have seen if you frequent the internet. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about Quiet by Susan Cain, which is a book I just read about introverts. And I'm going to try to convince you to read it if you consider yourself an introvert or you're curious about introverts. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA because the finals are tonight, and when you're listening to this, maybe the finals are over, but I have a couple things to say about that. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about the Women's World Cup, and finally, I'm going to end the episode with some recommendations for some movies for you to watch because, you know what, I watch a lot of movies, so maybe uh, I have some recommendations for you. But before we get started on all that, uh, I saw this this morning, the first thing I you know, I woke up, you know, flipped open the old phone uh, and got onto Twitter and I saw this amazing video and uh, I'm just going to play the audio for you. Uh, you may have actually seen it yourself. I'll, I'll play it right now. This next part is my favorite part of uh, this time shot. Gonna do the two-step and cowboy boogie. Grab a sweetheart and spin out with him. Do the hold down and get into it. Okay, and this is an interactive podcast, so if you know what song this is, please tweet at me or you know message me, comment it, wherever you're listening to this. My Twitter is at 4th and Ben, of course, it's in the description, because I am curious about this song. Uh, I mean, it's faintly reminiscent of uh, Old Town Road, because it's like obviously a country song, but it has that bass beat on it, uh, something that I think country music should embrace like did you guys hear about that um well first off let me talk about the video it's got this young man in a suit he's clearly at school and he's like dancing at the camera and he's got amazing moves dude and he's like doing it along with the uh let me get the let me get the clap going in here oh is it not playing oh it's it's not playing that's great oh here's the next part is my favorite part of this time gonna do the two like he's going right along with the beat it's fantastic Like the the caption for it is, I've watched this TikTok on loop no less than 200 times. And honestly, same. Um, I I feel like I can satisfy that urge if I just listen to the whole actual song. But of course, I don't know the song. Um, But yes, so let me get into like that. Country music right now, I'm not a big country music fan. I consider myself one of those people who like, I'm open to listening to anything except country, which I know is a bit acute. Uh, There are definitely some good country songs that I do like, but for the most part, I wouldn't consider myself that big of a fan of the genre. But I think that this whole hick hop uh, movement that we, we might be seeing the beginning of here, where they're mixing these classic country themes with these kind of hypnotic and uh, catchy hip hop beats in the background. I think that this could be a huge uh, opportunity for country music to go way more mainstream. Uh, at the same time, I think country music fears it could lose some of its identity in this kind of merging. But in my opinion, it only 
it could be a good thing. It could be a good thing for country music to open up to a broader audience because, like I said, I'm looking for this song. Let me hear know if y'all know it, uh, and I, uh, you know, I, it might make a country music fan out of me. Who knows? Uh, anyways, all right. Next topic. I'm. If you saw my announcement video, then you know that I'm moving from OKC to Columbia, South Carolina. Um, and if you want to see the announcement video I'm talking about, uh, it's on my Twitter, it's on my Instagram, it's on my Facebook. It's, um, I thought it was super fun that I had like news that anyone who knows me might want to know, you know, like uh, announcing a big move like this, especially because I'm moving back to where I came from. Uh, it's actually kind of strange when I took the job that I took that I have right now. Um, I knew that I was going to be moving around and there's the possibility that I might not return to South Carolina for a long, long time. So uh, I'm a bit surprised to have an opportunity with this company to return to South Carolina, especially so soon. I was just there two years ago um, and I'm going to miss Oklahoma City. It was actually kind of a tough decision. It should have been a really easy decision to come back because I, I'll be close to my family again. I, I definitely have great friends in Columbia, but I uh, I really like it here in Oklahoma City. This is a great place to live. Uh, it's really growing right now, and of course, it's the home of the Thunder, which are my favorite basketball team, uh, and so much more. I mean, this this place actually has really there's so many great local restaurants that. I have just become a part of my life now because they're all right here in the city. Also, coffee shops. There's a, a lot of great coffee shops in Oklahoma City, and they've done a great job of boxing Starbucks out. So most of the coffee shops that you'll go to are just a one-stop shop. Like There's only one of that coffee shop. There's not a lot of coffee shop chains. Uh, and they all have their kind of individual little thing they do. Like There's like the vegan coffee shop place that has like vegan donuts or whatever. Um, and you know all, all these different coffee shops in not a lot of Starbucks's, which is really cool. So that's, I mean, that's just one aspect. I could go on and on about um, how much I love OKC, but I guess what I want to get across is that I'm not leaving OKC because I think it sucks or that I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm tired of being here. It really was a tough decision to leave, but when you have the opportunity to be with friends and family and, and I don't even have to change jobs, I get to keep doing the same thing. I mean, that's a pretty sweet deal. So, uh, only something this sweet could get me to leave OKC. So shout out to OKC. I still love it here. Uh, I mean, I'm still here right now. Um, I'll be moving in about a month, but uh, you know, happy to have the opportunity to go to South Carolina. All right, next topic, Aladdin. So obviously, <laughs> if you've seen any movie commercials in the last few months, of course you've seen the movie commercial for Aladdin with Will Smith as the genie that everybody memed about and made fun of because uh, it looks so ridiculous, which I don't know. Sonic kind of was like, you know, hold my beer. Like, I'm about to look even more ridiculous and I think took some of the heat off of Aladdin. But so anyways, our, our idea for the Aladdin episode is to uh, kind of change up our regular format, and instead of just analyzing the new Aladdin movie, we're going to do more of a, a focused comparison uh, between the aspects of the old Aladdin movie, the original 1992 uh, Disney animated film, and compare it to what the new film accomplishes, uh, the 2019 Aladdin uh, you know, comparing genie to genie because we've got some big names playing genies here. And you have to see who who does better and other aspects of it. But we ran into a really big problem. It's that Aladdin is locked. The 1992 Aladdin cartoon is currently locked in the Disney vault. 
And this is part of Disney's evil scheme to continuously re-release the same stories for each generation. This allows a new, you know, a new generation of children to get enamored in the Aladdin story. And then when they're adults, I'm sure Disney will release Aladdin again. And then the cycle continues. And meanwhile, Disney can continue to profit in a huge way off of the same ideas over and over and over again. And I'll be honest, I don't like it. Okay, maybe for some people, they're like, oh, good, my kid gets to have the same childhood as me. But I think that's bogus. You should have your own childhood. There should be your own things that make it great. Can you imagine if we just continued to watch freaking Steamboat Willie again instead of watching SpongeBob when we were kids? And by we, I mean, obviously, kids my age, 90s kids, obviously, only 90s kids even remember SpongeBob. So that's the only people I'm making sense to right now. But you know what I'm talking about? Like, ha- give new ideas an opportunity to be in the spotlight. Uh, we'll see. I might be proven wrong. Maybe the new Aladdin is super awesome and I'll, and I'll totally renounce the 1992 version. But something tells me that it's going to feel cheap. And I kind of wish Disney didn't have a game plan like this because the way that Disney is able to hold on to their stuff it it never becomes public domain so they could legitimately you know provided the earth survives this long um, they could just continuously resell the same thing you know in 30 year uh, increments you know just just do like 30 years of things and then the next 30 years are the remakes of that 30 years and they could just print money for the rest of time Uh, I mean obviously they're doing some new things like Marvel like Disney owns Marvel and they're, they're making new Marvel films and stuff. But even those are inspired by the comics. So um, could Disney eventually just become like a workshop for unoriginality? I don't know. I, I, I don't want to sound like a Disney hater, but I re- I am a remake hater. So I, I, the, if you want to hear my real opinion on this, listen to our next episode, the Aladdin episode, because we're going to be taking a, a close look and I, you know, I don't want to make any decisions before we go into it, but already I feel like I just don't like this whole idea of constant remake after remake. But we'll have to see. Um, oh, yeah, so the problem with the Aladdin being in the Disney vault, you can't, like, rent it anywhere, which makes it really tough. Um, I know, and, and, you know, who doesn't own a copy of classic Aladdin, right? But the copy I own is back at my mom's house. And after me and my brother went off to college with, you know, a bunch of my mom's DVDs that she never saw again, she's not really fond. uh, She's not really keen on letting us borrow DVDs. So uh, I'm going to have to find it somewhere else. But I have a plan. I think I'm going to be able to find it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It might be legal. It might not be. <laughs> I'll I'll find a way though, uh, to so I can compare them properly. Uh, because you know I, I, as much as I already hate the idea of remakes, maybe I'm wrong, and I, I need to do my research to know for sure. Okay, so that's Aladdin. Next up, the the boys meme. Uh, you guys have probably seen this meme. Hopefully, you've seen this meme. I know that podcasting is not a visual medium, so um, <laughs> probably not the best place to discuss this, but. It's such a well-known meme right now. You've probably seen it. I'll, I'll tweet some the boys memes uh, from the Affable Chat Twitter so you guys can, in, in some weird way, if you haven't seen it, you'll be able to see it there. Um, I think this meme is really similar to the girls' locker room, boys' locker room meme. Uh, and, and like in a sense that, for, for the most part, they've been relatively wholesome. It's a, 
it's about get al- getting along with your boys and accomplishing things that like only boys want to accomplish. Uh, and, and only boys, I say that with uh, a asterisk because I don't only the Sith speak in absolutes, right? But it's uh, it, it's I think it's pushing a positive brand of masculinity where it's more about being like being together and just being friends, uh, which goes against kind of like the toxic masculinity view that we have on like. Uh, you know, rugged individuality and like men don't need friends. All we need is to be like manly and treat women like trash. And that's good enough, which is something I totally don't agree with because like, I, here's the thing that I think some people miss, uh, when they're criticizing toxic masculinity, they're like, men need to stop with toxic masculinity, but some men freaking hate toxic masculinity too. Like growing up, I was not the most like you know, I, I hit puberty late. I was a small guy for the most part. I got totally the the short end of the stick when it came to interacting with my toxic masculinity friends uh, or, or classmates, peers, and um, that sucks. So I'm totally a proponent for this positive masculinity thing. I'm, it's nice to see it go kind of mainstream. Um, I mean, I'm not saying there's no place for like ragging on your friends and stuff, but I, I love this positive twist that we're seeing uh and, and i i looked i i hope to see more of this kind of thing I, i'm i'm i mean it's kind of like a spinoff of the whole wholesome meme uh movement or wholesome memes movement where it's all just like making something totally delightful and like the joke is that it's so freaking wholesome uh and, and i think this is kind of an extension uh of that so if you haven't seen them yet check out the the the, the boys meme um one of my favorite ones i saw was like it was like me and the boys on the way to Jupiter to get more stupider. And it's like <laughs> the four, the boys in, in like a spaceship. Uh, and you can see Jupiter out the window of the spaceship. Uh, it's just great. I don't, I actually don't even know what I'm guessing. These guys are from uh, like a old Spider-Man because it looks like the green goblin electrode rhino. And maybe that's scorpion. I don't know. Let me, somebody let me know if I'm right. <laughs> or I can just Google it. But uh yeah so that's the uh, i like this wholesome positive masculinity uh um you know i'm gonna go hang out with my boys this weekend in in honor of this excellent meme okay moving forward quiet by susan kane uh so one of the things i'm i'm regretfully leaving behind in oklahoma city is my fabulous book club uh, that I do with my coworkers, where we read a book a month, and it's been absolutely fantastic. I'm not much of a reader myself, but having, well, like there's two things about a book club that make me that convince me to read a book. First, deadlines. When I have to finish a book by a certain time, then I will find a way to finish it. I'll break it down over a few days and be like, okay, I have to read this much this day, this much this day, uh, you know, to finish it. Or I'll uh, or I'll just like freaking grind through it the day before because I have to. Okay, that but but the deadline m- makes it so that I have to finish. The second thing is the added incentive of knowing a group of people that are going to be able to talk to you about that book because, and I, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but one of the most frustrating things about reading like obscure books is you could realistically go the rest of your life without ever meeting somebody who has also read that book or, or potentially, uh, no, you might not know it, right. You might not bring it up. And and so you, you read this book and you know, you absorb the knowledge, I guess, but then what? So, and, and you know, that's just my view of it. So having a group of people that I'm guaranteed to talk to this book about is 
enough for me. And I and I ended up I've read you know more than a dozen books at this point uh, with this book club. And the latest one we read was Quiet: The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. And it was a fantastic book. I'm not super uh, uh, okay. Not, not super isn't even needed. I'm not well-versed in psychology and sociology. So all of, a lot of this stuff is novel to me anyways, but it's, this book isn't actually that dense. A lot, uh, she talks a lot in uh, anecdotes and personal experiences. Susan Cain does in the book. Um, but also she brings up a lot of research and social science studies that kind of back up her, uh, statements about, being an introvert, especially in Western culture, because she talks about how we have this extrovert ideal uh, where she says that the there's an omnipresent belief that the ideal self is gregarious, alpha, and comfortable in the spotlight. And I think that's, that's especially true in the age of social media where people are trying to gain clout and show, yes, I can be the center of attention. Look at how great I am, right? Uh, but and, and, and she goes through the, the historical roots of all this and how we got to this place in our uh, society. A lot of it has to do with early advertising and convincing people uh, to buy things and that buying things is going to make them this great person. Um, but through that, like buying things, especially like perfumes and soaps, are going to give you the confidence to be able to be an extrovert and to be able to express yourself and be the life of the party, right? Uh, and she and she talks about the pitfalls of this ideal of being a uh, extrovert, where uh, first off, some people aren't meant to be that way, but also uh, by everyone acting that way, we miss out on a lot of... Um, opportunities, uh, things that people could bring to the table uh, if they weren't acting like an extrovert. Uh, she also goes on to define introversion, which on like, basically it has to do with uh, how much you prefer stimulating environments like loud music and going to the bars or uh, if you, you're into more into less stimulating environments, like maybe a coffee shop or something like that. It, it's all very detailed, but uh, based, that's what I got out of it is how stimulating you enjoy your environment to be. Also, I learned there's a there's an in between between extroversion and introversion. It's called uh, ambiversion. It's like kind of in the middle, and apparently that's what I am, or at least that's what I think I am. I'm a uh, I. I, I a lot of the things in the book, they say, if you're an extrovert, you do this. And if you're an introvert, you do this. I felt like I did both. Uh, and I and I think that there's no perfect introvert or perfect extrovert. Everyone's kind of a mix of it. But uh, it, it's really where you land on the spectrum of it. And um, she talks about pseudo introverts, people who are introverts, but based on their goals, based on you know, just the things that they have to do, uh, the things that they value highly, certain people who are introverts can be extroverted or can work to become more extroverted uh, to accomplish the things that they need to do. So it's you'd be surprised uh, to find out how many people in your own life consider themselves to be introverts uh, when they seem so extroverted, but you're only interacting with them or you're mostly interacting with them in an environment where they choose to act extrovert or this they choose to be pseudo extroverts uh but that's it's ta it's a uh, taxing thing to do to pretend to be extroverted when you really aren't uh one of the places she discusses this being especially taxing is in the workplace where uh, uh you know the united states seems to or, or maybe just like western culture seems to hold up this standard of 
like group thinking and working together and productivity through synergy where you need to have an open environment to work in so that everyone's always collaborating and the best ideas come uh, out of you know the brainstorming of many many bright minds but she brings up a bunch of examples where one person working really hard by themselves is actually a a better way to go about it Uh, and she makes the argument that maybe a lot of workplaces should consider allowing they're more introverted, introverted employees to take on a less extroverted work environment, and 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 that would actually be more profitable for them. It would create a an environment for those introverts to thrive and do better. Because, I mean, it, it was it was interesting looking at how, and it's it, I don't know how she really measures this very accurately. You got to read the book, but she talked about how a lot of extroverts get paid higher or get paid more, but the introverts are doing the same or better work, uh, which I just thought was a really interesting thing. But she does have a hopeful um, view of the future. Susan Cain believes that uh, introverts are in kind of a era that women were in, in like the 1950s and 60s, where they're coming into their own and society is beginning to value them for who they are. Uh, I mean, it's very similar to the feminist movement in the sense that it is a personality trait, or rather it's like a part of who you are. You're, uh, like being a woman is part of who you are and you should be able to express that and thrive in that and, and fully be that. Uh, just like you should be able to be an introvert and fully be an introvert and not be stigmatized. It's like, oh, you know, they're different. It, it, it's I mean, they are different, but just like extroverts are different from introverts. You know, they are just uh, something, it's not wrong to be different from what we consider to be the standard or the goal, which is extroverted. We need to be able to value them both. Anyways, it's a really interesting story. I hope basically my little summary of it makes any sense at all. I, uh, I, I really did enjoy it, and I think I might return to it to read some of my favorite parts. Uh, but it's, it's a really interesting concept, and I... I I think I used to think I was just an introvert, but now I think I'm closer to being. I'm sorry, I used to think I was just an extrovert. Yeah, but I, I think I'm a little bit more introverted than I realized after reading this book and finding out more about introverts. You you should check it out yourself and and see how you feel because I I felt like it gives some visibility to people who are commonly kind of uh, sweeped under the rug in American society. All right, next topic, the NBA. And let me just say, living in Oklahoma City has definitely made me a basketball fan. I was, you know, I watched the finals every year, but even then I would only, I would basically watch the whole series, but I would still only really watch the finals uh, until I got here and started rooting for the Thunder. And the Thunder never made it past the first round since I've been here, but I've had the opportunity to be more involved in basketball culture. I've made more friends that pay attention to basketball and care about basketball and know about basketball. And I've started to play basketball actually. And let me tell you playing a game, like watching a sport that you never played is one thing. And you can definitely go to appreciate that. I definitely love football, but I've never played it. Uh, You know, you can still do both, but getting your hands dirty, going out there and doing it yourself and, and really understanding what it takes to be good at that game adds a layer of appreciation that just makes it so much more enjoyable. I have really, I mean, 
every game that I can watch ever since I started playing, I've I've watched, which has all been playoff basketball. So it's it's been kind of must watch anyways. But it's been so awesome because there are times before where I was like, oh, he missed that? What a loser. Hey, you're a professional. You're supposed to make those. But now I realize, I mean, I'm terrible at basketball, so every shot is impressive to me. But I've just realized that I've been able to see it on a more granular level and it's added so much to my enjoyment of the NBA. And let me tell you why that was so hard for me to attain before because in my childhood, Denny, y'all play NBA Street? I played so much NBA Street as a kid. It was like my introduction to the NBA, I guess. It's kind of like, I remember that was like the first place I heard of Michael Jordan outside of like Looney Tunes and uh, or Space Jam. And it totally ruined my perception of basketball. I know that NBA Street is three on three, so it's like all off the bat, it's not super realistic. But I, when I played a bunch of NBA Street and then I watched real basketball, I was like, dude, this is so boring. In NBA Street, guys are jumping way above the rim and intercepting shots in midair, which is totally goaltending, which I didn't know. I was like, that's lame that that's against the rules. And alley-oops happen way less frequently than I thought. And they're way less epic. In freaking in NBA Street, guys are flying like 12 feet above the rim, you know, with their hand in the air waiting to receive the alley-oop. And in real basketball, they throw the ball just above the hoop. And the alley-oop is more or less just like a put-in. So, I'm not hating on real basketball here, but as a kid, I was. As a kid, I was like, "This is NBA Street's way better. They need to change the NBA, uh, which I wonder if anyone else is like that because it took me so long to get into basketball. Like, I'm 23, and I'm, I've only been a basketball fan for like two years. So um, NBA Street, I love you. You gave me many great memories, but you definitely stunted my development uh, as an NBA fan. And um, you know what? I forgive you. <laughs> it was still a good game. And two and three were dope too. NBA Streets two and three. Uh, like a, le- a legendary sports trilogy uh, that I definitely enjoyed in my youth. But speaking of the NBA, the finals are tonight. KD is back. Uh, Kevin Durant is back. I do not know in what capacity. We're going to find out. When you're listening to this, you will already know how much he played. But... Um, I mean, here's my take. It's pretty basic. I think that KD gives the Warriors a great chance at winning uh, He's if he's healthy, if, he's, if he is KD uh, again. And I think it has a chance to make this series interesting. I think he could potentially, if, again, if he's truly KD and if Klay Thompson's back at 100%, who's, who's going to say that they can't win three in a row and take the series back, which would be so amazing because it would be undoing it would basically be redemption for the Warriors blowing the 3-1 lead and I know a lot of people are like snickering at the Warriors right now being like ha ha you guys suck now you know you're down 3-1 in the finals which in almost every case is a death sentence Uh, but if they could undo it this would be the greatest victory of all time for the Warriors so we might be on the verge of greatness you guys already know I might be totally saying ridiculousness right now because the series is already over when you're listening to this i'm going to predict that the raptors will win tonight the game is in toronto uh my man Kawhi leonard is out there doing his thing so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with the raptors to win it tonight uh but we'll find out when you're listening to this right you guys already know uh before we finish up with the nba i have to say my man Kawhi leonard and uh 
Honestly, I wasn't the biggest fan of his move to the Raptors. Um, I was kind of hoping it would be like a more of a one and done thing and I'd see him on a different team. I mean, this guy, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but this guy has kind of become single-handedly become the greatest Raptor of all time after one year because he took a team that's never been in the finals to the finals and he might win against the greatest team of all time. Bruh, you know, like Kawhi Leonard and he's done it like silently and this has always been his thing it's not like a Toronto Kawhi it's always been Kawhi's like quiet demeanor and amazing basketball on the court uh, I love his quote board man gets paid I, I that's like an amazing mantra he's just like blue collar works hard and he's the best in the postseason although I think Steph Curry's averaging more points than him per game uh Steph Curry's a shooter Kawhi Leonard brings more to the table than uh or other aspects to the table. I won't say more, but right now, if I had to pick, Kawhi Leonard would probably be my NBA um, uh, postseason MVP, which he definitely was my MVP going into the finals, and I don't really feel like anything's changed. Um, I saw a tweet that somebody asked, when when is a good situation to be a dick? Like, when is it a good time to be a like basically a bad person in real life? And somebody answered in sports, and I think that's definitely true. Uh, Joel Embiid, very popular basketball player, is notoriously a dirty talker. Uh, pretty sure Kevin Garnett for the Celtics was known for being like going across the line sometimes to trash talk his opponents. I can never forget about Richard Sherman, even though he's a 49er now, when he was uh, talking trash about Michael Crabtree after he denied the 49ers a trip, a second trip to the Super Bowl, back-to-back trip to the Super Bowl in the uh, 2014 NFC Championship. You can be a trash talker in sports because if you can back it up, it validates it. You can be as mean as you want as long as you can back your your talk up. Uh, but Kawhi, who can who definitely can back his talk up, chooses not to. Instead, he's quiet. He just focuses on his game. He doesn't overly celebrate. He's just there to handle his business, and and that to me is way cooler. He's just on to the next. He, when they win, they're like. Actually, hold on. Let me see if I pull up this tweet. He was, uh, after the game, like, you know, they always um, interview the best player or whatever. And after taking a 3-1 lead over the Warriors, right, uh, the best team ever, right, Kawhi Leonard, in, yeah, and, and by doing this after winning back-to-back games in Oakland, right, so things look good for them going to Toronto. Kawhi Leonard had this to say in the post-game interview. Let me see if I can get this. Hold up. I don't play hero basketball. I'm not playing for, you know, fans or, you know, um, you know, I'm just playing to win. I'm not out here trying to break records, whatever. It's on a scoreboard. As long as I try to help my team win, um, I'm satisfied with it. And that is honestly kind of boring, but I love it because it's just a, it's a uh, departure from this world of like superstars who are prima donnas. I'm talking about like Odell Beckham Jr. type guys or like Neymar in football or soccer. Uh, I love it. He's quiet. He's a hard worker and he's honestly an inspiration. So Kawhi Leonard, I hope you get a ring tonight and uh, get to lift up that Larry O'Brien trophy, which I recently found out the NBA trophy is called the Larry O'Brien trophy. So there you have it. Um, Raptors in five, I guess. Hopefully I don't sound stupid saying that because it's tomorrow when you're listening to this. Uh, Staying on sports, hey, the Women's World Cup is happening right now. It's already started. 
and the women play tomorrow, which for you is probably today, at 2 p.m. Central. And I say Central because I still live in OKC. Um, do the math. <laughs> to figure out what time that is for your time zone. It's on Fox or Fox Sports 1. So find a stream or, you know, go on Reddit and find an illegal stream. We're playing Thailand in the first game, okay? Now, remember, the Men's World Cup was last summer. Or rather, I should just, yeah, the Men's World Cup. Do you guys remember how good the the men's team did? Uh, let me remind you, they didn't even qualify, okay? They weren't good enough to even go to the World Cup. This is a huge embarrassment. Well, get ready for some redemption because the women's team is not only the favorite to win the whole thing, but they're just the most dominant team in the world. If you watch the last Women's World Cup, you know this at, for a fact. We are the best when it comes to women's soccer. Our game against Thailand which again is scheduled for tomorrow at 2 p.m. or today, Tuesday, it's on Tuesday, <laughs> whether that's today or tomorrow for you or yesterday or last week versus Thailand. We have a 95% chance of winning, 95%. That is insane. Now, soccer has three results, winning, losing, tying. There's about a 3% chance that we tie little over 3%, closer to 4%, which means that Thailand goes into this match with a molecular 1% chance of winning. 1%. Percent. Percent. 1% chance of winning for Thailand. So please just appreciate that some Americans can be the best in the world, okay? We have a gift here in that these women get on the world stage to represent us and we should be thankful for that we should be appreciative of that we should be witness to that make sure you tune in this is just the beginning thailand is just the first game uh there's plenty of women's world cup action coming your way and if you're like me and you work a regular job and you're like oh no i can't and by regular i mean like nine to five monday through friday you're like oh no i can't catch these games they're in the middle of my work day fine i'll I'll, that's okay. Just wait until the semifinals and the finals. I'm sure those games are on weekends. Make a plan. Be ready to watch because these women are going to be representing us all summer long, baby, because they're not going anywhere. They're going straight to the finals. I'm going to say it here first. I'm calling it. The women are going to win the whole thing. And we're going to be back-to-back -back World Cup champions, and everyone will finally, well, everyone should already, but everyone will finally respect are women because they truly are the best. All right, I'm going to finish this off with a couple of movie recommendations for you. Um, this weekend, I saw Blind Spotting, uh, a f uh, an intern actually at work. Uh, I was hanging out with him and he showed me Blind Spotting. It stars David Diggs, who was Lafayette in the original cast of Hamilton. Uh, and if you know who he is, you know that he's a decent rapper. And uh, he stars in this movie with Raphael Casal. They, it's, it's about Oakland. I mean, the movie is very Oakland. So if you're Bay Area, you got to see it. Uh, it's got excellent cinematography, great music involved. Uh, I mean, just uh, um, great art direction all around. It's a very interesting movie to look at. Um, but it's also a, a very nuanced take on police brutality and life and life in black America um, that was really enlightening and honestly kind of terrifying. So I recommend you check that out. It's a lean hour and 35 minutes, I believe. So it's not 
the longest movie in the world. Definitely something you should check out. Oh, I should have checked where you can watch it. I think you can see it on Amazon. Um, I'm checking right now. Uh, yes, it's on Amazon. It's on YouTube um, and Google Play. So, you know, pick your poison, right? Uh, and I'm sure it's elsewhere as well. Another recommendation, and this one's really obvious, you got to see John Wick. If you haven't seen John Wick or if you've been thinking about seeing John Wick, just go ahead and do yourself a favor, Okay. Go see John Wick. Uh, obviously, see them in order. John Wick's one and two. Then listen to our John Wick two podcast, and then finish it all off by going and seeing John Wick three in the theater. It really is a big screen movie. You're gonna want to be shoveling popcorn into your mouth while you see this movie on a screen that's as big as a basketball court. It's a movie that's made for that. It's very beautiful. It ha- it takes a lot of inspiration from if you've ever heard of the raid series which is i think an indonesian film uh series very violent obviously rated r and they really push the limits on what you can do with violence um much like they do in the raid keanu reeves is a gift like uh that, that we do not deserve uh in this world he is truly amazing as an actor and in real life so you got to check that out and um yeah i'll leave it at that this has been affable chat off script I'm Benjamin. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Affable Chat. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. If you have a question, comment, or want to request something for us to talk about, you can reach us at our Twitter account, at Affable Chat, or our email, affablechat at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.